Welcome back to another Youth Center podcast. Very excited to have Steve Boudreaux, recently named head coach at Tewksbury High School. We had him about a year ago talking about culture and building a team. And so we're entitling this one, Lessons from the Road, Building a Program One Year Later. So first of all, uh, I want to thank Steve for coming on the Youth Center podcast. Well, Rick, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be back on the Youth Center podcast. I enjoy listening. I enjoy learning. Um, and hopefully I can provide some, some valuable insight here uh, on the Lessons from the Road podcast. All right. So why don't you do a, a little bit of a lot of people that will be listening to this know your, your history and your bio. But let's ask for the, maybe the one or two people that maybe not know who Steve Boudreaux is. Let's give that little bio. Sure. So I grew up in uh, North Andover. That's you know that's obviously the the tie that I have to the youth center. And and I had a great experience uh, growing up in North Andover Public Schools. Went to Atkinson Elementary, North Andover Middle School, um, and then through the high school. And, and, and I think the theme when I think about my, my experience growing up is is I was just lucky to be surrounded by supportive teachers, supportive family, supportive coaches um, that really kind of helped shape who I am. Uh, played both basketball and football in high school. Um, and graduated in 2008 from North Andover High School. Uh, decided to go to Keene State College, uh, where I continued to play basketball. Uh, also met my wife there. Uh, I better mention her, or, or I might be getting the, uh, the, the hairy eyeball at the end of the night. Um, played basketball there, uh, as I said, and, and then graduated in 2012. Um, after college, I, I decided I kind of wanted to go down the road of coaching. I wanted to pursue that, and, and Rob Colbert, who was the head coach at the time at Keene State, um, kind of encouraged me to chase that dream. So I stayed on for three years uh, at Keene State College as an assistant coach, as the recruiting coordinator, um, which really just kind of helped me uh, professionally, helped me on the floor coaching, uh, how to deal with people. That was a, that was a really influential three years for me um, a, a, as more of a learner than anything else. Um, and then I would probably say I was at a crossroads um, whether to continue to chase the coaching dream um, or kind of pivot my career uh, and then go into something different. And what I ended up doing was I ended up, kind of, it was kind of the best of both worlds. I ended up pursuing a career in teaching um, and I, uh, I got a job at Up Academy Leonard uh, as a uh, science teacher the first year, um, teaching sixth grade science um, in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And, and I stayed there for four years working in a variety of different roles. I, I spent a year teaching science, I spent two years teaching health and then my final year, I, I taught physical education. But the people that I worked with um, and the students that I got to work with, I think um, it, it was a special time. Um, it, was a, it, it was a dedicated group of teachers. It was a dedicated group of students um, who really pushed me to be the best that I could be. Um, and so I kind of will, I, I, I hold those four years as kind of a special place in my heart um, and, and watching uh, the students overcome constant adversity, the grit that they kind of possessed, um, and, and the effort that they showed every single day. Uh, in 2019, I moved districts from Lawrence to Tewksbury. I was hired as a fifth and sixth grade physical education teacher, and um, I am currently in my second year as a, as a teacher there at the Ryan School um, and a basketball coach. So, um, so that's kind of who I am. I, I, I should probably also mention I'm an avid Boston sports fan. Uh, and a below average golfer. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to uh, we'll have to levy a fine. He did not mention that he is one of the main people in the BST training program, along with uh, yours truly and Matt Medeiros. But 
uh, you also have been involved very heavily with training kids outside of the coaching thing. So um, when we first uh, had you on the podcast last year to talk a little bit about team building and culture, your role was an assistant coach. Um, in the past year that has gone from being an assistant varsity coach to this year being an associate head coach with pretty much having the full reins of the program. And then obviously, as I said earlier, last week you were named the, uh, the newest head coach in Tewksbury basketball. So take us through kind of how that, those roles evolved in a matter of two years. So I came to Tewksbury, you know, Coach Bradley and I had, had spoken and, and it was clear that I was very interested in kind of getting on staff. Um, and it was also clear that he was looking for someone to come on and, and, and have a major role. So it was kind of a win-win. Um, as an assistant, you know, I was involved um, in, in, in heavily involved in, in every aspect, planning practice, um, you know, scouting reports, um, getting to know guys, et cetera. Um, as it translated and, and had a great first year, you know, and I think we made so much growth in my first year in Tewksbury. And, and, and I don't know if necessarily the results show it, but I think from a, from a culture standpoint, I think from a um, you know, preparation standpoint, from how we practiced, we made major strides, um, I think probably more behind the scenes um, that I was really excited about. We made more growth uh, that I probably could have ever imagined in those couple of months. This year, um, moved up uh, as, as the associate head coach and now obviously transitioning into the head coach role. So I would say that um, this year, I, I think I just had a better pulse um, on the program. I was much more involved this year with our, with our freshman team, with our JV team. I was able to kind of dedicate more time to that. Um, and then I was, uh, I was a step ahead in the sense of I knew the roster that we had coming back. I, I knew the new players that moved from the JV up to the varsity. Um, so I think I was, I was able to kind of tailor my approach to the group that we had coming back um, rather than year one kind of coming in blind. Okay. So when you finished your first year as an assistant in 1920, um, you actually had some good wins and you had some really rough, kind of tough losses. Uh, and when the season ended, it ended with no tournament berth. Uh, but due to the MIA rule, you were allowed to continue to work with your kids until basically the winter season was over. What was your goal in those couple of weeks? And then we ran into this thing called the global pandemic. But what was your goal at that point, at the end of the season, to continue doing what you would hope to do? Well, there were, there were two goals. The first goal was we wanted to continue creating a competitive environment. Um, and we had those two to three weeks that we could still be on the floor with our players. Um, and we wanted, to, we wanted to maximize the time that we, had on the, that we could have with our players. So I think number one was, was create that competitive environment. Number two was, as you said, Rick, I thought we had a lot of games where um, you know, we lost by three points or lost at the you know, last three minutes of the game, four minutes of the game, one possession loss, two possession loss. Uh, so the whole idea of those three weeks, we called it phase one, and it was phase one of the offseason, and the whole goal was finish. Every single thing we did was we talked about finishing, finishing, finishing. Uh, whether it's fi finishing a shooting drill, finishing a sprint, finishing a pickup game, finishing with a free throw, everything was built around that. Um, and we ended up probably before the pandemic, we probably had 10 to 12 workouts. Um, we had great attendance, uh, and I thought we accomplished. We were we were moving moving the needle. We were moving forward, uh, creating that environment um, and finishing. And that was the that that was our. I thought we had to kind of get over that hump before we could move forward. Yeah, for sure. 
So then the global pandemic hits, uh, totally blows us all away, pretty much shuts everything down, right? So there's no spring leagues, there's no spring AAU. Uh, summer leagues get thrown out for pretty much people in this area, although some schools were actually able to go over the border to New Hampshire. AAU basically starts late. Um, so you would just have so much excitement about building your team and building your culture. What were some of the things that you tried to do strategy-wise to keep the kids involved during a global pandemic and basically your first year kind of taking the reins? So what was the spring and the summer like for Tooksbury basketball under you? Yeah, like, like any coach, I think that was an extremely frustrating time. Uh, I think it was tough for coaches um, with kind of the lack of, of contact or communication that we could kind of have with players. Um, and then obviously players, it was really tough because they were not able to get into gyms, right? And, and, and they were shut down for, for a long period of time. So I think that was, that was the, one of the tough parts. I think the other thing was we, we had made this progress and then the biggest hurdle was not being able to build on the progress that we had just made. Um, and, and then you kind of mix in this whole idea of, of, of the new normal and uncharted territory and, and, and this pandemic that I don't know if, if any of us knew how to handle. Um, so I think it quickly, as a staff, we kind of quickly had to shift from um, skill development and finishing to kind of checking in and making sure that our players, um, you know, were doing okay mentally. Uh, the over the next few months, we, we spent some time on Zoom together. Um, we did a couple different uh, film session things. You know, we, we had guys look at different, different parts of the season and areas of growth and areas of strength. Uh, and then one thing that I tried to do is I tried to, um, I heard Mike Bray uh, in the month of March at, at one of the NABC clinics, and he, he told his players at Notre Dame um, they were not allowed to text him. If they wanted to talk to him, they, they, they had to pick up the phone and call him. Um, and I didn't implement that rule necessarily, but I tried to make it a point to be on the phone a lot more with our players um, and, and, and having real verbal conversations instead of just, just over the text. Yeah, and, and in talking to you and your players, what I love to hear as a culture guy, I love that the relationships were being built. There was the connection. There wasn't like, oh, I haven't heard from my coach in three months or something like that. So at the end of the summer, we get a little optimistic, right? School may or may not go back. Hybrid method, full remote or full schooling. We're not 100% sure. MIA takes a look at, you know, starting from fall uh, sports with obviously restrictions. Uh, and then you're allowed to start working with your guys. Now, again, basketball is not allowed per se in Massachusetts at that point. Everything's skill development, uh, you know, cardio, whatever it means to kind of get the kids in shape or whatever. I loved how you put a plan together by grabbing those kids that weren't playing any kind of fall sport, and uh, you took it old school, outside. So what was the fall like? Yeah, so, you know, I, I talked about in when our season ended in year one and, and the phase was kind of uh, built around finishing. And I think in the fall, um, it was built around commitment, right? Continuing to build that commitment to Tooksbury basketball. Um, and we, we couldn't go in the gym, right? It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't pretty. Uh, a lot of times we were outside this fall and I, I, I'll expand on kind of our plan and, and what we got accomplished in the fall. But um, it, was, it was cold. Guys are, are working out in sweatshirts. Guys are working out in swirling winds. Um, guys are frustrated they're shooting the balls literally moving two to three feet to the right or the left the winds blowing the basketball um, but I thought guys committed and, and and it was the tough part was it was all non-contact we were in masks um, we had to stay six feet apart guys had to bring their own basketball 
But I thought the work that we were able to, to get done, A, we were back together, right? We were, we were enjoying being, being around each other, thought we had some fun. Um, it, it, and then it was the work that we did, whether it was, um, you know, getting a lot of reps, whether it was, you know, how we're going to move on penetration, how we're going to run in transition, um, kind of creating snapshots of what we wanted to, to work on when we did get to full contact. And then the final piece was when we did get into the gym, um, you know, I, I won't forget this. It was almost like nostalgic, right? It was, it was almost emotional when we did finally get in the gym after spending 15 uh, 15 workouts outside in the cold. Um, you know, when we got into the gym, I, I think I know it made me more appreciative, and I think it made our guys more appreciative too. Yeah, I think you had a really good plan. I think you actually followed through with it and did not let the elements prevent you from doing it. Uh, as we get to the late fall, MIA is working really hard. Uh, Desi, governor's office, trying to figure out if there's going to be winter sports. And we get optimistically excited that something's going to take place. Um, obviously going to be some restrictions, which in hindsight, I think we'll look back at this and say, probably didn't need to do as many of the restrictions as we did. But there is hope for a basketball league. In your, in your AD, one of the best in the business, by the way, Ronnie Druin, um, he's one of the lead people in pulling off basketball in the NBC. Uh, and our plan was very similar to most of the other leagues. But um, talk to us a little bit about what the NBC plan was to operate basketball this year. So the NBC plan was a uh, 12-game season, um, and it was unique. Uh, you would play kind of like a doubleheader. You'd play the same team twice um, in that week. It was a little different, um, you know, I felt once we got between the lines, it felt very normal, but I think the logistics were, were a little different, and I thought our players um, did a really good job of adapting. Uh, things like, you know, they had to fill out a COVID form uh, before 2 o'clock every day, uh, which was essentially a wellness check. We had temperature checks when they got into the building. Obviously, we were in masks. Um, you know, we didn't have a place to really meet. We didn't have a locker room. Um, so that was kind of the plan um, in terms of logistics, and then the... Um, and then playing the playing the same team twice in a week. Yeah, and then obviously we, we finished with something pretty cool with the MVC Cup. Um, so we had a season, and as I tell people, you know, you can judge how it was successful, wins and losses and things, but major, major win, and, and kudos to all of my peers that are coaching this winter. You actually did it. You pulled off some kind of a season, not exactly what we wanted, uh, but major kudos to, to getting the job done. So as the season starts, let's get back more to the culture team building stuff. You're now the associate head coach, but you've got full reins. Tommy Bradley has kind of basically said, you're the guy. You're running the practices. You're doing the game management. You're implementing kind of your feeling because the plan is in place that you will take over the following year. So what were some of the things that you implemented that may have been different? Um, I know uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the challenge that you did when you had a shutdown. So let's talk a little bit about the season per se and some of the things you implemented in, again, the craziest of times. Sure, so we um, we had some you know ideas and, and, and challenges that we wanted to um, accomplish right through a through a through an uncharted territory type of season, um, so we implemented some different things, um, and, and, and I'll just kind of spitball. The first thing was after our third day of practice, um, we had a positive COVID nineteen test, so our program was shut down 
for essentially seven to 10 days. Uh, so as a coaching staff, we're scrambling. How are we going to A, keep our guys in shape and B, keep our guys engaged um, over that period of time? So we came up with um, something that it was really successful um, and we called it accountability pods. Uh, and these were pods that were made up of three to four people in our team. Um, and they were responsible for, uh, it was on, a, it was all, again, it was all through Google Classroom on a Google Doc. Um, and they were responsible for logging their own workouts um, in this document and then holding each other, holding their other pod members um, accountable for what they did. And, and we set kind of standards of the expectation for each day. Um, and again, workouts look different, right? Some guys had access to, to a hoop outside of the backyard. Some guys uh, were quarantined in the basement, right? And they, so they had to really be creative um, with kind of what they were going to do with the, during or throughout the accountability pod um, timeline. But I thought that was something that, that, that we really celebrated. Um, and I thought that really pushed our, our culture forward. We were able to be productive during a shutdown. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about some of the other things you implemented. Uh, you know, you and I talked a lot about relationship building. Um, and, you know, part of what's impressive is you did some kind of unique things in terms of, you know, connecting with your kids through individual film sessions and group sessions, um, just obviously meeting with your players. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think as a coach, um, you know, I, I think one of the most important things is I wanted to be available. Um, if a player wanted to watch film with me, I wanted to make sure that I was carving out that time um, to give that player that attention. Because if they reached out to me, it means it's really important to them. Um, so, for example, uh, you know, if a guy reached out to me for, for skill development, right, or, or maybe looking at a shot or looking at this or looking at that, um, I wanted to be there for, be there for our players. Um, so we did, you know, there were two players in particular that, that I had individual film sessions with almost once to twice a week. Um, and with Huddle, um, you can really break down, right? We would look at field goals um, attempted, right? We'd talk about, um, you know, is that a good shot? Is that a great shot? You know, where can you improve in that area? We'd look at uh, different, we usually always looked at the, the turnovers um, that that player committed and, and where we can make strides. So, I, and, and the greatest thing about those film sessions, um, whether it was small group or whether it was individual, is it's building a player-to-coach relationship, right? It's building trust. It was, it, and, and our players were empowered to be able to say to me, hey, coach, I disagree with you. I think this was a great shot. Um, and building that kind of two-way relationship, um, whether it was in the film room, whether it was, whether it was on the practice floor, um, I think goes a long way in developing a program. Yeah, for sure. All right, so you obviously know that I've been doing culture workshops for high school basketball teams for a number of years now. You contract with me and say, hey, I want you to, I want you to come down to Tewksbury, you know, run a workshop. And as a lot of people know that the workshop, two and a half hours, uh, an initial workshop, then I come back during the year. Um, what, did, what did that workshop do or not do for you building a culture? Um, I obviously, I, I really enjoyed coming to Tuxbury. What was the impact on the coaches and the players? Well, I think during the season, um, it's great to bring in people um, that might have a different voice, right, and, and, and keep things fresh. Um, you know, Rick, we brought you in for, for our culture workshop. We had Jeff Nelson um, come in to do a shooting, shooting workshop with our, with our players. Um, 
And I think, but when I look at the culture workshop, I think the greatest thing about those two and a half hours is it highlights um, that this is bigger than basketball. Um, it was uh, what I would call mental skill building for coaches, for players. Um, and I, I, I think one of the things that, that I'm, I'm uncomfortable almost in the environment because it is such a, a learning environment. It is a vulnerable environment. Um, you have to share things with, with, with players, with your other coaches um, that might be really tough to share. Uh, but I think the, the, the ultimate goal of it is to lead to growth for you as an individual, and then it leads to growth for your team. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the actual workshop. Um, you know, I remember getting a phone call from you about the actual impact. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how it would actually, you know, take your team to a different level as far as, you know, kids being honest about things they're failing and everything else? Sure. So I think a few things stick out um, that are, the, you know, that are kind of ingrained in me when, when I think about those two and a half hours. The first thing was we did an activity called um, What Is Your Why? And where players had an index card and they had to identify why they play the game. Um, and the answers, and I'm sure all the teams that you worked with, Rick, had great answers. But, but our guys, it, 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 was, it was really neat to see the different side of them. Um, you know, on a personal level, some some players played for um, you know the town of Tuxbury. Some players would play for their parents. Some players would play um, you know for for all different reasons, proving someone wrong or this or that. Um, so that was a I, I thought that was a really great um, almost icebreaker to to kind of get us into a into an environment where we could push each other. Um, the second thing was. You challenge us to come up with uh, team standards. You challenge us to come up with program pillars. Um, and we kind of brainstormed during that, and then we were able to kind of harden those pillars and those standards uh, after the fact. And then the third thing was um, the implementation of the accountability circle, where uh, at the end of practice, uh, we, you know, guys would stand in a circle, uh, and it was player-led. And they anybody could speak. They could identify the positives from practice, um, and it had to be specific to a teammate. Couldn't be um, generic. It had to be specific, um, or they could identify areas of growth for that player. Um, and I think the hard, this was probably the hardest thing for me um, was it forced me to be quiet and, and, and shut up because it was it was player led, and I think that was a good thing. And I think um, teams with great culture. Are, are player led and, they, and you, have, you have great leadership from players 1 to 12, 1 to 13, 1 to 14. Um, it, it, the voice can't always, be, can't always come from the coach um, and this created uh, an avenue for players to be able to accomplish that. Yeah, when we, had to, when we put in and implemented, I'm sorry, the accountability circle, it was tough for someone like you who likes to respond to every comment that's said and uh, we kind of put the, the, uh, the muzzle on you and not allow you to do it. And I think that was a huge advantage for your team going forward. Um, would you care to share to our listeners some of your pillars and standards that you talked about? Sure. So our pillars um, are three questions that, that we ask um, our guys at the end of each practice or at the beginning of practice. Um, and, and our pillars are, number one, did everything matter? Um, number two, did we get 1% better? And that, that applies to everything, uh, film room, meeting room, 
um, etc. And then number three, did we practice like champions, right? If we want to get, if this, if if we're going to take this program to where I think it can be, um, again, we have a long way to go, and we're and we're just starting this journey, um, but we have to practice and prepare um, like a championship team would. Our standards, um, and I have them here. Um, number one, we'll remember our why. Uh, and treat each practice and game like it is our last. The other interesting thing about our standards is our players voted on these standards. Um, and you can kind of tell how impactful that what is your why activity was because it turned out to be one of our standards. Um, the second standard are we will hold each other accountable on and off the court. Uh, and number three, we will give maximum effort in every practice, drill, meeting, and game. Um, and, and, and these are kind of things that I want our program to live by, uh, these pillars and these standards. Um, and, and at the end of the day, if you can say, yes, everything mattered, yes, we got 1% better, yes, we practice like champions, um, I think we're on the path to success. Yeah, I mean, I think, think that was all great. Last thing you want, you kind of implemented was social media. And I'm obviously someone that really believes my game's the Twitter game, obviously, but I believe that there are some basketball programs that really take advantage of the social media. There's people that are in the middle of the road. Then there's some people that don't take advantage of it at all. My guy Faze over in Ando, I love him, man. He's, he's actually got his Twitter game going now, great. And uh, obviously our good friend Kristen McDonald down at uh, Norwood, she's a much must follow. Uh, I love some of the stuff that she's posted and it really kind of builds a lot of culture with her kids. What did, um, what did you do in terms of the social media piece? So we, our number one goal in social media was to create a buzz, right? We wanted to create a buzz about Tewksbury basketball. Um, and whether it was highlighting, um, you know, what our guys did that day or that game um, or, or previewing a game uh, with, with a picture of our players or the game time, et cetera, um, we wanted to create a buzz and, and, and show people on social media, show people in Tewksbury, show people uh, all over that, that this is something that, that's really important um, and it matters to us. Um, and I think, I, I think it does have, I, I think it can really have a positive effect on your players. Um, and as I'll talk a little bit about um, when we get into kind of, you know, the development of our youth players, uh, you know, don't kid yourself. I think kids growing up, um, you know, kind of can, can, can see our Twitter account and see hopefully the positive things that we're doing. Um, and, and hopefully they grow up wanting to be a Tewksbury basketball player. Good stuff. Um, we always talk about in terms of developing, kids got to get better. That there's a big difference between interest and commitment. Um, but I think what's missed a lot is uh, what are you coaches doing for professional development? What are you doing to get better this year, next year? So what was your professional development during the craziest of years of the global pandemic? So the cool thing about uh, I don't know if it's yeah the 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 neat thing about the pandemic was. It a allowed a lot of coaches to take a step back um, and kind of reevaluate where they're at. Um, there were a lot of different opportunities, uh, professional developmentally. Um, again, you have now you have high major college coaches, NBA coaches. Everyone shut down, um, so there were a lot of different opportunities um, to learn from different guys. Guys were doing uh, Zoom clinics that you could sign up for and jump on. Um, and that was really, really um, helpful. I spent a lot of time in March and April, um, you know, finding guys that I was interested in learning about, um, whether it be, you know, the Eastern Michigan 2-3 zone, 
um, whether it be the, the, the Merrimack zone, whether it be um, the Swarthmore uh, motion offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mike Bray talking about how he connects with his players. So there were a lot of different things um, on that level where I was a viewer. Um, and then the second thing, and, and Rick, you and I kind of worked um, in cahoots um, on what what has now kind of grown into the fireside chat, um, which is which is which was, um, and it's coming back at the end of March. Um, but it was a 90-minute, essentially professional development opportunity for coaches that that happened every single week, um, and there was a different topic, a different speaker each week. Uh, and I can honestly say that through those. Uh, I don't know what it was, 25, 30 sessions that we had, uh, it was probably the best professional development that I've ever taken part in, uh, from the new ideas, from the different perspectives, um, from coaches kind of challenging each other's thinking. Um, and, and ultimately, it was like a big support group, right, where, where we could uh, support each other, um, but also, um, you know, on a deeper level, learn from each other. Yeah, I mean, that fireside chat's just at a whole different level now. My man Hank Smith, OKC Thunder Scout, and I started this 11 years ago and was literally sitting around a fire, whether it be a fireplace, a fire pit, um, a lamp, uh, basically talking hoops with some really great basketball folks, has now grown into this thing which is going to continue again starting at the end of March. Uh, we got 67 coaches that were involved with it last year, 20 to 30 on a daily, on a weekly basis. Um, and again, if anyone's interested in jumping on our fireside chat, reach out to me. We'll get you on. It's all going to be good stuff. The other thing, um, it, you know, as a young coach and, and, and obviously as a first-time head coach, I think being, in, being with a lot of different successful coaches, um, there were two things I learned. Number one, um, there are so many different successful coaches that do it so many different ways. Um, there are many different ways to, to, to be a great coach from an X and O standpoint, standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. Uh, and the second thing was um, I, I learned that you know, a lot of these successful coaches, whether it be Paul Conley, Kristen McDonald, et cetera, John McVeigh, um, there are no magic answers, right? There's not a magic formula um, to coaching. And, and, and a lot of the things that, that we were doing, um, you, you know, it almost validated a lot of things that we were doing with some of these great coaches. Um, which as a young coach, I think also instilled belief in myself that we are doing a lot of the right things um, and, and continuing to do those. Yeah, for sure. All right, so you ended this year and you had a, a number of returning main players that were seniors. Um, you had some very high expectations. Uh, I think you met some of those expectations and you didn't meet some of those expectations. You know, how is your frustration level with that in terms of, again, you're still trying to grow a program? Well, bas I mean, ultimately, basketball is a results business, right? And, and, and when you work hard at something um, and your players work hard at something and you don't get the result that you want, um, that, can, that can be a, a, a difficult thing to cope with. Um, so we finished our year five and seven. Um, we had some ups. We had some downs. Um, we lost our last two games, uh, which is still eating at me uh, as I sit here today. Um, but there were some things that, that, that I think we can build on. Um, you know, we, we had five Merrimack Valley wins this year, which, was, which is more than what we had last year uh, in a 20-game season. Um, we went 4-1 and one in the second matchup, or, or, or the second time we played a team. Um, so that means, to me, right, going beating a team four out of five times um, in the second matchup tells me that our players believe in what we're doing. It means that we're making adjustments um, that, are, that are helping our, put our players in a position to be successful. 
Um, so I think there are a lot of things that, that we can build on. Did we meet every expectation that I think we all had? No. Um, are we moving in the right direction? Yes. Um, we used uh, Jeff Halfley, who's, who's the football coach at Boston College right now. Um, he had a great line. Um, and he talks about in year one, uh, his team had to learn how to believe, right? Believe in what we were doing. Uh, and then in year two, you got to learn how to win. Um, and I don't know if we've accomplished year two. I think we believe. Um, I don't know if we're there in terms of we know how to win. We know how to finish games from a coach um, and from players. But I know that we're, we're trending in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we're, we're all raw as we talk about that on the fireside chat an awful lot. As you look as you're building your program, uh, are there programs maybe at the high school, college, or even the pro level that you see some things that culture-wise that you'd like to model after these individuals or these teams? So, you know, the first thing is is um, you want to talk about someone who knows how to uh, who knows how to uh, model their brand on Twitter. Um, the the positive enthusiasm out of the Arkansas basketball team right now with with Eric Musselman um, is pretty incredible, and I think um, you know the enthusiasm around his program and 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 it is it is absolutely contagious to watch on Twitter. I can only imagine being a part of it. Um, that's something that that I think we can continue. Um, or, or I want to continue. I want to do more of it. I want to have more positive enthusiasm. Not just me, but everyone involved around Tewksbury basketball. I want that juice, that, that emotion, that passion, um, just like you see at Arkansas. Um, you, you know, we, we lost um, uh, to Central Catholic. Uh, we got thumped pretty good the second time we played them. And, and I remember sitting on, uh, on the bench or at the end of the first quarter and seeing... Um, you know their team cheering on maybe that second group or that 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 third group that was in the game um, and, and I think teams like that um, you know and, and situations like that are are things that we can do better right being a being a great teammate on the bench being a great teammate when you're winning being a great teammate when you're losing um, I think that's super important and then I think the third thing um, is is we talked a lot about this celebrating each other's success um, and we, we even kind of tapped into Buddhism um, and this word mudita, uh, all around celebrating each other and, and being happy for your teammate. And, and I, wanna, um, I want that to be a staple of Tewksbury basketball, right? And, and, and we, Rick on the fireside chat, Jeff DePelto talks about one of his team rules. I think he has two or three team rules and, and one of them is point to the passer. Um, and there's, you know, you score, you point to the passer. Um, and and what, a, what a neat thing, right? What an unselfish, what a selfless act um, to point to the guy that got you the ball. Um, and, and I just think that, that that's another example of, of, of something that we can really model after, being a selfless program um, and rooting for each other. For sure. All right, so it's not just four years at the high school in that program. You've got to develop relationships. Um, what are you doing with the young kids in Tewksbury at least modeling a uh, relationships, them getting to know you, so that eventually all these young kids in Tuxbury want to be a future uh, Tuxbury resident. So the way that the Tuxbury public schools are set up is there is a um, upper elementary school, fifth and sixth grade, and every single fifth and sixth grader comes to the Ryan School, um, and I, as a physical education teacher, I get to teach every single kid that comes through that school. Um, so A, 
uh, if I'm doing my job as a teacher, I should have built-in relationships with those fifth grade students, those sixth grade students. They should leave sixth grade and go to the, the Wynn Middle School um, and, and they should know me, they should know what I'm about, they should know who I am. Uh, <clears throat> so hopefully, um, you know, that, that's really going to help propel um, the youth movement in, in terms of basketball in Tewksbury. As I said earlier, I want kids to grow up um, wanting to wear the Tewksbury basketball uniform, just like I grew up wanting to wear the North Andover uniform. Um, you know, I want them to, as we use on social media, I want them to represent the T. Um, and, 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 and I have a platform and a responsibility to do that, not only in the classroom, but also on the basketball court now as, as a coach in, in Tewksbury. Um, you know, I think I, I want the, the young kids in Tewksbury to see me as someone who cares about them, someone who's passionate about basketball, uh, passionate about, uh, about getting to know them and, and having a relationship with them. And then somebody that is extremely competitive um, and, and has a will to win. There's a lot of obstacles in building a culture. Um, and you work for a, as I said earlier, um, Ronnie Drewin, one of the top ADs in the NBC. NBC has great a ADs. Uh, my buddy Matt Curran over at Methuen. Um, in building the culture, how important is it for you to have a really good working relationship with your athletic director? Yeah, so, so Mr. Druin, A, is extremely supportive. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great communicator. Um, he's a straight shooter. He's going to tell me, give me honest feedback, um, you know, on, uh, on what he sees. Um, and then I think he's also, um, you know, been an extremely successful baseball coach in Tewksbury, right? So he's someone that, that, that I've kind of leaned on um, to see how he got his program off the ground. How did he get to the level of success that he was at? Um, he was also a, a physical education teacher at the Ryan School. How did he use that um, as kind of leverage to, to, to build really strong relationships and, and, and build great baseball players in the town? Um, so he's someone that, that I'm, I'm really lucky to work for um, and I'm excited to continue that relationship. For sure. Another obstacle which also can be a benefit too is obviously parents are a major part of high school sports. How would you describe Coach Boudreaux's style in dealing with parents? Well, I think, you know, dealing with parents is can be a little tricky. Um, I think I like to, uh, A, be upfront with them, um, and B, and I think we can do a better job at this, right? I think, um, you know, hopefully a more normal year next year, I think, I think we can do a better job being upfront and communicating with them. But I think there are... Um, I'd, I'd probably group it into three different um, categories. The first thing is, is the person, right? We are, um, you know, parents have a, obviously an invested interest in their kid, and so do I as a coach. Um, so, you know, I want to encourage parents of our program, if there are, um, if there's something going on in, in their son's life, I want to know about it. And I want to be able to help them persevere through any challenges um, as a person. That's important. Um, as, it, as we kind of shift to playing time, I don't know if I'm super interested in having a conversation with a parent regarding a, a, you know, um, their son's playing time. Just because, you know, as a coach, I'm doing everything in my power and we as a staff are doing everything in our power um, to A, maximize the potential of each player and then maximize the, um, the development of our team. Um, and, and, and we're also in the thick of it each day. Right, so I'd much rather a kid, you know, with a playing time issue, come to me. Um, we can have an honest conversation 
um, rather than a parent who's, who's not there all the time. And then I think the third thing, and we focused on this a lot this year, is, is providing updates to parents, um, you know, about, about whether it's this year, a lot of it was viewing information, um, how to watch our games on YouTube, um, you know, uh, odds and ends, updates, uh, here are the links for, for the Merrimack Valley of, of how to watch other games, um, you know, thanking them for, uh, you know, persevering through a difficult situation. Um, so I think those three things, I, I, I think, are kind of how we look at dealing with parents. Number one, the person, um, and, and, and I'll do anything for, for any player in our program. Um, number two, playing time, not super interested in talking to the parent, really interested in talking to the player. Um, and then three, providing a, a, a summary or, or updates to parents um, about how they, about how we are uh, operating as a program. So... Last year, assistant coach. This year, associate head coach. As of this week, head coach. Uh, what would you say to Coach Boudreaux now that you wish you'd maybe known two years ago when you first started with this? Well, I think um, you know over the last two years, I've I've had a um, I've really had to think about kind of the core values of, of, of me as a coach and, and, and coaching with conviction, right? Really believing in yourself um, and, and believing in, in your players, believing in your town. Because um, as I look at, at the town of Tewksbury and as I look at myself as a coach, um, right now I have a really high belief and, and really high confidence level in what we can accomplish. Um, and I'll be honest, the first time I coached Tewksbury uh, in a fall league game, uh, in the fall of 19, I left scratching my head saying, oh, geez, I don't know. Um, but now, you know, as, as we've progressed, um, I have an extremely, um, or I'm extremely motivated, right, um, to try to continue to push this thing forward and get to the top of the mountain um, because I believe in myself, I believe in the town, uh, and I believe in our program. Yeah, really good. Uh, talking this week with a uh, very successful Newton South head coach, uh, Stevie Matthews, another great coach from our fireside chat. Stevie's finishing his third year at Newton South, and we were talking about, you know, and you've heard me say this a lot, it takes really three to five years to build a program. Once you get named head coach, your situation a little bit different in terms of uh, as an associate head coach, you were able to start that. Where would you say um, Tewksbury basketball is in the terms of, you know, kind of rebuilding it? Well, I'd say we're on the right track. Um, you know, I think we've, we've had an interesting two years um, where we've tasted success. Um, you know, we, we've had some really good wins. Um, we've had some, some really bright spots, uh, but we just haven't done it consistently. So I think the good thing is the players in our program, or even the young, young, young uh, players coming up, have seen that when we do things the right way, we are we have the ability to be successful. Um, now we have to make that consistent. Um, I think we are uh, continuing to work on, you know, creating a competitive competitive atmosphere every single day. Um, you know, taking this one day at a time, one rep at a time, uh, living in the moment, um, and and continuing to promote commitment to basketball um, every single day. Yeah, for sure. You graduate five or six seniors this year. Uh, you know how I feel about gratitude and you know appreciation. What'd you say to those guys when you wrapped it all up this year? Well, um, 
every time we would finish practice or, or, or a film session or anything, I, I, I would use the, I use the same three, three lines. Um, I tell them I care about them, uh, the whole team. I tell them I'm proud of them and I tell them I love them. Um, and and, and that, that will remain for those 16 years for as long as they live. Um, I, I, I hope that when we look back on these 16 years, uh, we can say that they were the building blocks of our future. Um, they're, they're always part of our program, um, no matter what. I wish them the best of luck in the next chapter of their life, and, and I hope that they know that, that our relationship goes beyond basketball. Um, you know, Ryan Rometto, Kaluvalu, those, those guys are in, in the middle of their football season right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to root like hell for them. Um, you know, when Brady Egan was playing soccer in the fall, I was rooting, rooting for him. Um, and, and I hope they know that no matter what, uh, whether it's athletics, whether it's school, whether it's, um, you know, any, anything um, that happens in their life, I hope they'll know, they would know that, that I'd do anything for them. Yeah, I, uh, I actually think they really do. All right, so you had your exit interviews, which is another big, important thing in building a culture. Um, I, I, I really think the coaches that don't do exit interviews are really missing the boat. Uh, you had your individual meetings, you had your group meeting. Now it comes on you. What are you going to do to get better this season? Sure. So I think you know. I I think there's a twofold. Um, the the first thing is, um, you know, looking at X and O stuff. Right. Where did we succeed this year? Um, where can we improve our personnel that comes back? Um, you know, what's going to put them in What's going to set them up for success? Um, so I think there's an X and O component where, as a staff, we'll do a, we'll do a pretty large review um, and, and hopefully come up with solutions. Um, and then I think the other part of it, right, is, is building relationships and, 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 for me, learning more about leadership and, and, and how am I going to um, be the best leader that I can be and how am I going to develop those relationships and, 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 and develop. You know, I think um, watching films a great tool um, of, of our own team and then of others. Um, I think the fireside chat, I'm excited to get back onto that um, and continue my professional development. I want to learn from mistakes that I've made, whether it's in-game, whether it's out-of-game, whether it's in practice. Um, and then I think continuing to uh, believe in the vision, believe in myself, believe in uh, Tuxbury basketball. Awesome. All right, we're gonna, we can't let you go without, uh, we'll do a little rip-off on the Illustrator here. We got some questions for you around 10. Uh, answer it um, as quickly as you can. Uh, they're not one-word answers. Tell us you know, what you mean about it if you want, or they can be one-word answers. So a uh, good friend of the Fireside Chat, ESPN's Fran Fraschilla, um, often uses this line, used it the other night in the West Virginia Baylor game. Great game, by the way. Um, is it about the Jimmys and the Joes or the X and the O's? Uh, it's, it, this is a pretty easy one for me. It's, it's the Jimmys and the Joes. Um, you know, I think, I think what it comes down to it, coaching is about developing people, right? And, and you can't fool kids. I, I learned this from you, Rick, right? You can't, you can't fool kids. You got to tell them the truth. Um, and, and I guess when I look at, like, the mentors that I've had in my life, um, you know, my high school coach, Mike McVeigh, my, my college coach, uh, Rob Colbert, um, you know, Bert Hamill, Rick Gorman, um, I don't remember the X and O's, right? I, I, I don't remember uh, Coach McVeigh's, what, what he's drawn up, you know, in a timeout, but I, I do remember how he made me feel, right? I do remember how he pushed me. I do remember how, um, you know, he pushed me to, to be the best that I could be. So I think, um, you know, first and foremost, players need to believe 
in themselves. They got to believe in the coach. They got to believe in the system. They got to be able to trust, um, trust each other. And and X and O's don't matter, right? Unless you have the Jimmys and the Joes, and 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 you have that foundation. All right, finish the famous Fenos Dembo line. You can't yell at a kid until until you love him. Um, and I think. Uh, you you got to earn that love, right? You got to earn that trust. You got to earn that relationship. You have to be authentic. You have to be genuine um, f- for a kid to trust you. But um, but what's it? You can't yell at a kid, right? Uh, if they don't love them, a lot of times the message will go in in one ear and out the other. Once you love them, um, I think uh, I think I think you can grow together. I tell you, if you got that one wrong, you'd be running sprints downstairs. <laughs> All right, next one. Ten seconds left in the game. Tuxbury, uh, tie game. Um, they get the rebound, defensive rebound. Got to go the length of the court. Clock is ticking. Um, you calling the timeout? Are you playing through? So we get. I mean, again, I think it's all situational, but I, we want to push the basketball, right? We want to push the basketball. We we, we want to get the defense on their heels um, and, and search. We, we talk a lot about in our offense searching for a great shot, um, and it's no different in a tie game with ten seconds left. We want to search for a great shot for our team. Um, and that's what we do. Um, I would hope, uh, or, or I would be excited to have a timeout in, in my back pocket uh, in case we do get tied up, or, or, or it doesn't look like we ha- we have that great opportunity to get a good shot off. Um, but first, you know, I I, I want to push the ball and get a great shot without calling a timeout, letting the defense set up. Nice. Another one of my pest peeves. Uh, one of your best players picks up his second foul with four minutes left in the half. We playing them or we sitting them? Uh, you get you. I'm playing them again. I think a lot of this is situational, right? If you're if you're up ten, maybe you try to you, you try to ride them a little bit more on the bench. If you are uh, in a close game or you're down a few points, I think now the urgency becomes, um, you know, you have to go back to them. I also think it's important to practice those things. Um, I think you have to you have to your players have to during games have to be able to say, oh, we've practiced this, right? Or, oh, we've done this. Um, so a lot of times in practice, we have, we have one guy who um, would, this would happen a lot to him. Uh, and we literally would be calling fouls in practice, say, hey, that's your second, right? You pick up another one, you're done for the half or whatever the case may be. But um, I think you got to play him. I think it's situational and I think you have to practice it. Nice, all right, one word answer on this. Beige or dark color pants? Uh, dark. I, I, I'd, I'd be running sprints again, Rick. If the I, numbers if I don't lie, run. people. The numbers don't lie. All right, favorite college coach in building a team? Uh, I spoke about him a little bit earlier on social media. but Is it the uh, must? It's the must bus. Yeah, it's Eric Musselman. I think, you know, I, I want to say this is his second or third year at Arkansas. Um, you know, he did it at Nevada, um, and he's doing it at Arkansas, and he's doing it with Will um, he's doing it with excitement. He's doing it with passion. Obviously, he's an excellent coach. Um, and you can see, obviously, at the college level, you're recruiting. You can see recruits being drawn to Arkansas um, because one of the main reasons is because of him. Yeah, for sure. Just do me a favor and keep your shirt on, though, all right? <laughs> all right, favorite college coach when it comes to X and O's? It's a good one. Um, it's a really good one. Um, hmm. Um, you got me between a couple of guys here. Um, right now, Leonard Hamilton at Florida State's doing a great job. I think he's, uh, you know, again, he's a guy who took over a program 
um, and, and he lets his guys go, but they're also disciplined and, and, and do things the right way. Best Buddha pregame motivation at, at the uh, Romano? Um, interesting. Um, we, uh, we used a couple different tactics this year. Um, we, we put a real emphasis on starting fast in, in the first five minutes of the game, and, and we talked a lot about winning the warm-up, um, which is something, again, I stole from the fireside chat. Take more shots than your opponent. Um, be more connected than the other team. So we emphasized a lot uh, at the end of our pregame, um, really getting guys going, winning the warm-up, and then hopefully winning the first five minutes is what we talked about a lot. Um, we, uh, we, we showed, and a guy stole this from... My high school coach did this um, when we were uh, uh, a high school football coach did this. Uh, we watched the ninth round of uh, Mickey Ward, Arturo Gotti. Um, and if you watch those two guys, that's, that's, that's two um, just warriors just going at it. Um, and uh, that night our guys were ready to go. All right, two more questions. Uh, this was submitted by all of the Zebras, the Merrimack Valley Conference. Do you know what the dimensions of the coach's box is? <laughs> um, no, no. If uh, if if Richie Napolitano or, or Kevin Bootley are one who, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I think most people are impressed with your Sean McVay impersonation when you actually sprinted the entire sideline to pump up a kid. Uh, so that was they would like you to stay in the coach's box. All right, fair enough. All right, last question: What present NBA player, present NBA player, are you starting the Buddha franchise with? Jeez, good one. Really good one. They're um, all good. Uh, George Niang, give me the Merrimack Valley product. Give, Pride give, yeah. the Merrimack Valley. Big G's going to love that answer. Big G's going to love it. So, uh, no, it's been fun to watch George at, at, at obviously Iowa State and, and, and now having an, an extremely amount of success with, with the Utah Jazz. So, yeah, I'm going with the, with the MVC product, George Niang. I love it. And make sure Georgie knows. All right, uh, Buddha, thanks very much for coming to continue this conversation on culture and team building at, on a sports team. Uh, I think it was really good and you brought a lot of stuff here. There was a lot of people that can take nuggets from this, just like we take nuggets every Wednesday night on the Fireside Chat. So thanks again for coming on the Youth Center Podcast. Rick, I, um, I, I appreciate the platform. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled and excited to, to, to continue the work at Tewksbury. Um, and, and as I, I finished it last year, and, and, and if there are new listeners, I think it, this is an extremely important point. If you want to see great culture, um, come down and spend a day at the North Interview Center. Excellent. Thanks. I do want to thank again uh, Steve Boudreaux. Uh, thank you for the great feedback on last week's podcast with the girls from the Black Student Union at the high school. Phenomenal group of girls came in and talked about what they're doing with their platform. Uh, next week, we have representatives from the North End of the High School Muslim coming in, Muslim Club coming in to talk to us about some of the initiatives they're doing, really good stuff. And then we're going to start a six-part series, which I am going to be bringing in one person each week, and it's part of what we're calling Savage Leadership. Uh, we're going to be bringing in six people along with myself to, uh, to really talk about what real leadership is, so I hope you'll tune into that. So as we finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion.